Co-directors Matt Campanella and Stephanie Chloe Hepner's film Daddy Issues follows a young man who, when trying to impress his new boss, gets more than he bargained for. This live-action short film has been selected to premiere at the Tribeca Film Festival, and the screenings for Daddy Issues sold out in just 30 minutes. Now, LGBTQ New Yorker Matt Campanella wrote, directed, produced, and starred in Daddy Issues, and he recently guest-starred in the Tubi series Great Kills and wrote and directed and produced the upcoming film Your Call is Important to Us. And we have Latinx director and producer Stephanie Chloe Hepner is also a writer and actress, having starred in Law and Order, New Amsterdam, and The Equalizer, and so much more. While she's currently developing an LGBTQ comedy pilot, maybe this time, and producing The 22, a film about PTSD and veteran suicide. Both are here with us today to talk about their film, Daddy Issues. So let's welcome film directors Matt Campanella and Stephanie Chloe Hepner and their amazing film, Daddy Issues, to the show. Welcome to both of you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Well, I've got, I've got to uh, ask, who in the world came up with this idea for this film? <laughs> All right, Matt, it's you. Putting it on. Yeah. So we were both in L.A. last year, and we were a part of a filmmaking challenge in L.A. where you basically have to create a script based on a prompt in one week. And the theme of the prompt was fatherhood. So naturally I thought, why don't we just have a father and a son in a BDSM dungeon? That makes so much sense. So, uh, no, but I thought it would be really funny. I love comedy. I grew up watching the Waynes Brothers, Tina Fey, SNL. Those are like my big influences. So yeah, I had the idea. Steph loved it from the get-go. She was really interested in being an integral role in the project. And yeah, from there, just kind of scripted it out and thought about the relationship a little bit more. And I really wanted to write it in a way where it's it's very comedic in circumstance, but very dramatic in the dialogue and the relationship between the two people, which I thought is definitely relatable for me. I don't know if you can relate to that, but it was that's kind of where I entered it. And yeah, that's you, where we you are. You nailed it. Literally, literally, you nailed it. I mean, I found it. I found this film, and I have to say, it's probably the shortest short film I've ever seen. I, I actually, when I first watched it the first time, because I watched it multiple times, because within four minutes, there's so much there. And when I watched it the first time, I emailed the publicist and I said, "Is this the trailer?" <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. but again I found it to be the funniest short film I've seen I've probably I've ever seen uh, so far you know what has been the response at Tribeca to this film uh, it's been incredible uh, they actually added uh, another screening because we sold out our three main screenings and that one also sold out so we just had one last night uh, and for us, I think the best moment is hearing people laugh in the audience. Uh, we are a, we're a group of shorts in a, in a very, very tight block. Each film is so specific, so brilliantly done. So we're truly honored to share that space with the other filmmakers. And yeah, and I think that it's been great. Like we, people are stopping us when we leave the theater. They're asking questions. They're asking us where it's going. So it's been a great reception. Well, you know, I'm trying to fathom the idea that you submitted 
a four-minute short film, and out of over 8,000 selections, your film was chosen. Was that shocking? Yes, it was. And I think we're both, we have really close ties to New York. I grew up in the suburbs of New York, Long Island, and Steph grew up in New Jersey outside of the city. So for us, we've always known about Tribeca. Tribeca has been one of the biggest influences in our career to pursue filmmaking. So just to get the honor to share this together and also be amongst such incredible filmmakers, it's really invaluable. When I got the call from the head programmer, quite literally, I told him, he was trying to ask me questions and say like, oh, what inspired you? Like all these things. And I just was like, I'm sorry, I can't speak right now. There's no words. Like literally, I, I couldn't speak. I was so shocked uh, and, so, and so happy and grateful. Well, this film absolutely deserves to be at Tribeca. And let, I want to dive into the film a bit because right off the bat, I'm sitting there, I'm watching this over and over again, trying to grasp every nuance of this film. And one of the things that hit me first was the judgmental attitude of each of the characters. And they're giving each other, I mean, it's, it's so hilarious. Um, of what each character is giving one another that I just wanted more and more. And I pray you're going to tell me there's a feature film in the works. Yes, there is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You might be the first to actually like, yeah. You, you have breaking interview. news. You have breaking yeah, news. I, well, well then, then I'm going to shout it louder than everybody else. And uh, because this is something that needs to be a feature film and now, Matt, you played your part absolutely perfect. And then you cast David Kelsey to play the father. I was sitting there. There was no way. I, I would have not picked anybody else. He was <laughs> absolutely perfect. How did you cast him? So that was, uh, that was a great, great story of how he came about. Uh, we... We held auditions, we held open auditions, we got a lot of submissions, none of them were the guy. Uh, we saw, I don't know, 20, 30 people and chose and narrowed it down. We saw a lot of tapes uh, and none of them were the guy and we were getting closer and closer to the shoot date and we had no dad. Um, and we were freaking out a little bit. So we reached out to our networks and a friend of ours uh, said, send me the script, I may know the guy. So within a span of 20 to 30 minutes, it's we crazy. sent the script to our friend who sent it to David, who was his friend. And David was driving from San Francisco to LA for another premiere. He pulled over on the side of the road, read the script, called us, got on a Zoom with us uh, from his car and was like, I read it. I love it. Let's do it. What do you need from us? For What do you need from me? How can we make this work? So from weeks of auditions and mm -hmm. freaking out about not finding the guy, it all came together within a span of a half hour. Don't you don't you just love the magic of filmmaking that when things like this happen it's just like it's meant to be and yeah. uh, you know you know we you know all three of us kind of know that film and television you know it's a huge step of faith in every project that you do and there's always that element that is like, uh-oh, are we going to make it? And then it just shows up out of the clear blue and then makes the project. And in this case, 
David really made this film because he was the perfect father character for this film. And what I found something, Matt, there was a hidden brilliance with this film. And that's when you created the father and son, their roles actually were reversed. Did I get that right? Yeah. 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 So that was my original intention with it as well, especially delving into the BDSM and dominatrix world was to focus a little bit more on the power dynamics because, you know, when you're a dominatrix versus someone receiving it, the dominatrix has the power physically, right? And the person receiving it doesn't. That's why they're there. They want to feel powerless. But the interesting part for me was that being the case physically. But then when they reveal the mask, you can't help but see the power dynamic shift because, you know, from the to the reverse, to your point of the dad having more power still and the son still caring about what his dad thinks and there being this unresolved emotional baggage. Yeah. Um, you know, the father is like so many others. Their kids <laughs> going in and out of phases. And I loved the dialogue was absolutely perfect. And I'm not just saying that you couldn't have written the dialogue any better between the father and the son. And, but as I was watching back and forth, there was this short little clip and ladies and gentlemen, whenever you have the opportunity to see this film and you can, so this is how you can do this. You go to TribecaFilm.com, you sign up because come June 19th through July 2nd, you will be able to see the films online and daddy issues needs to be at the top of your list. So back to that father and son situation of going, especially with the, the kids, you know, going in and out of phases. I had to watch it multiple times and then you have it so quick that I almost missed it. And, and then your character, Matt says, uh, when I came out and so, so when I noticed that when the son says, when I came out, uh, you thought it was just a fad and I stopped in my tracks and then I thought, and I'm going to let either one of you answer this. How common is that in the LGBTQ community? I guess oh. I should answer that one. I mean, um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's really just a way of life. Uh, yeah. Now. And when you, that one line, I thought it was so profound and, and then, but it was the father's reaction. I went, wow. How many real life situations has that just covered? What? Yeah. What were we going to say? You say? I, I was going to say, um, I think we are moving in a direction where parents and um, family dynamics of different generations are becoming a bit more understanding and open-minded. Hopefully that's where we're going. Uh, but I think also with having uh, a child in your late teens, early 20s, something that's an uh, the other, your child being the other, whether it is sexual orientation or career um, or um, gender uh, dynamics, anything like that, the otherness does jar a parent. I can see how that is the disconnect. Um, and, and that's why it would go into, oh, it's a fad. It's a defense mechanism from a parent to their child who is doing something that's uh strange to them well, yeah and i just add a little bit onto that i think we are we are in a much better place than we were 
you know, 20 years ago. And I think there's a lot of room to grow. And of course, depending on, you know, where you are in the world, it's, it's different. But I think there's also what I'm interested in capturing are the complexities in those different, you know, levels with these two characters. There's a sense of, okay, it's not a situation where Oliver is kicked out and completely cut off from his family because of his sexuality, but there's strings attached, right? It's your, there's always a sense of not fully, maybe this person isn't fully embracing me. They're not like they're accepting in a sense, but there's still, there's still a judgment. There's still something unresolved and there's still, that comes from maybe a lack of just understanding and not being in that position and not being able to empathize. So I think that's something we're going to focus on a lot in the feature is where these characters go after this experience and how that relates to the other points of their life that they're having having trouble with coming well see what what i loved about david kelsey's character that you created he is the whitest straightest father you could have chosen i mean the way he portrayed that character was again i think every element of this film is brilliant um and you know, to the point that I just asked about, uh, well, when I came out, Dad, uh, it's a shock to some fathers. And then there's those today that go, we always knew. And so there's two dynamics there. But what I found really funny in the film was when the son said that the dominatrix is coming, act like you enjoy this. But then... <laughs> You perfectly showed the look on your face where the son seemed to enjoy taking his anger out or his frustration out on his father uh, when the master dominatrix showed up. And I just thought, you couldn't, it's, it's too perfect. I mean, it's, it's almost like now he kind of gets to take his frustration and anger out on his dad a bit uh, in a controlled environment, which <laughs> was really awesome. <laughs> I'm so I can't even believe he caught all these things. This is I mean, great. Yeah, uh, I can't believe you caught that. And I think there's <laughs> what we worked a lot on together when we were kind of you know redrafting and, and talking about it, right? Because of course I was acting in it. So on the day of the set, Stephanie was really taking the reins and saying like, "This is where the vision is. This is what we need to do to get there." It was focusing on a lot of the layers of the situation. So in that moment, we called the Wes Anderson moment because the shots were inspired by. Wes Anderson very flat um, and the framing of it. But in that moment, I think there was a sense of, okay, there's this journey of, I really don't want to do this. This is disgusting. Am I about to really whip my dad? But then there's a sense of, like you said, anger of, and catharsis of maybe that's what's driving him. So there's all these little layers that you don't always see in film in general but it's really gratifying to know that that's coming across in some sense. Maybe you don't, people don't all know it, but certainly it was great to hear that you did. And I, I would add that it's amazing that um, you're catching a lot of moments that you're highlighting are where the film has silences because the dialogue is brilliant and it builds and it makes you laugh and there's um, punchlines and connection, but also a lot of the big moments in this short comedy are the silences where we watch characters make a decision and we see what's going on without any words. Um, and I think that's one of my favorite, favorite parts of it. I cannot tell you, for both of you, every element of this film is literally just 
brilliance on film. I mean, oh seriously. And now, you know, when I, when I interview directors and producers and screenwriters, you know, and, and I'm sent screeners, I will literally sit there and, and I, I watch them all the way through. I will watch them again and I'm sitting there. And, but with yours, uh, it was funny because it was so quick. You, I wanted more. And I'm thinking as I'm, as I'm writing up the interview, I'm like, what am I missing? Is there anything that I'm missing? Because there was just so much. You know, I, I feel like a science teacher sometimes looking at, at films because I'm trying to dissect. You know, it's kind of like dissecting a, a Martin Scorsese, Scorsese film and, or Oliver Stone and, and really trying to break those things down. And, uh, or Kubrick. <laughs> I mean, you know, to really trying to find, you know, little nuances and hidden meanings. But you did such a wonderful job. But then we get to the end. The car <laughs> scene. The silence, and and you're 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 right, Stephanie. There's those moments of silence, and but I want to back up a, a bit because where the father and the son are having the dialogue, um, inside the BDSM room, a lot of people need to realize that the father's dialogue is extremely common, and if you really look at it, it's not a negative. It's He's truly showing his love for a son. He wants the best for his son from college to graduation to career. He wants the best, but there's these little shocking elements in life that come unexpected. And you put all that in there in the most shortest amount of time I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> but then we get to that car scene. So the silence. And I feel that the father now understands what it means to be judged. And that the last line in the film hit me like, can we go back to being a normal father-son? Especially when the when when you, Matt, look, look at David and go, did you see the last season of Bridgerton? And I was sitting there going, oh my gosh. It's like you told the most perfect joke and... And the punchline in the closing, you couldn't have got any better. Well, thank you. That's just amazing to hear. It's just, yeah. And and to your comment of the, the dad not being all bad, I think what Matt really did brilliantly with the writing is um, that even if a parent is judging their kid, it doesn't mean they're a bad parent, right? It just means they need a little more understanding. Um, right. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah. I think it was really important for me to paint strong point of views for both character, which is where the conflict comes into play. But with any character that I write, I'm really interested in capturing people with strong points of view, whether that's a silent point of view and the character needs to come of age, or in this case, both of them are very, they have very specific views on each other and the world around them and seeing that clash and that sort of contrast was was the interesting interesting part to explore even in the rehearsals and and then the dialogue and everything yeah you know when you you know when you said that um, there'd be a feature film of this uh in the works i'm actually sitting here trying to think who's going to play the mother because she's got issues 
<laughs> yeah. So the mom was really, it was incredible. The mother role in this because my aunt who my real aunt in real life, uh, Maria, who's from Staten Island, they own, you know, five bakeries in Staten Island. So if you ever need some red velvet cupcakes, we actually have a few left in our fridge from the after party from Tribeca and she played it so wonderfully. It was just, and that's how I always envision the character. Someone very, you know, I'm come from a very big Italian family. So I really wanted it to kind of merge with that. And she gave us a lot of different voiceover takes because we were in LA, she's in New York. So she did it in a voiceover booth. And then she that she sent us different takes and we actually spliced several of them together like our deliveries for one line and a delivery from another. And it really gave that sort of neurotic sense of exposition in a way that's relationship oriented because we, I wanted to provide some information on the story, but and the, and the family, but it was more so really relationship oriented where you're hearing her point of view about him and then her point of view on his relationship with the dad and then establishing that it's the dad's birthday and you know, all that jazz. Well, see that—that's what when when the father goes, it, it's a it's a birthday gift from your mother. I'm thinking, I want to know more about the mother. Because <laughs> you know the mother also wears the pants. Yeah. Yeah. Well, both of you should be extremely proud. The, the ladies and gentlemen, the most powerful, funniest four minutes in film you will ever see. So. Again, you, you have to head over to TribecaFilm.com. If you haven't signed up yet, you're dragging your feet because there are so many amazing films. But starting June 19th through July 2nd, you're, you will be allowed to watch these incredible films online. So if you don't live in New York, you didn't get to go to Tribeca this year, you can watch every single one of them online. But you better place... Daddy Issues at the top of your list. You might as well kick off your Tribeca film uh, binging with, with one of the best laughs you will ever have. Now for you, Matt and Stephanie, what is next for the both of you? What is next? Well, besides adapting the short into a feature, I recently shot a uh, anxiety inducing drama the one that you mentioned in the beginning your call is important to us which is very different from this film i'll leave it at that uh yeah uh so i shot a film in italy called it's a tuesday uh and it's also very different it's post-apocalyptic uh end of the world situation and it's in post uh and i'm also working on my television pilot uh which is a comedy maybe this time what you mentioned earlier ah Fantastic. And Matt, Stephanie, you are both welcome back anytime on my program. If you, awesome. For your next film project, you got to send me the screeners so I can watch those. And we'll talk about those as well. Because after seeing Daddy Issues, both of you have extremely bright. You already have bright futures in the film industry. But after this little uh, short film, oh my goodness, ladies and gentlemen, Look, Spielberg, I mean, Coppola, Scorsese. Oh, stop. These are the next two. You better watch out. You better you better look over your shoulder because Matt and Stephanie are going to be delivering some incredible films here in the future. And ladies and gentlemen, you better keep an eye out because 
I, seriously, success is on both of your plates. So take it in and much success for the next screenings at Tribeca. And again, thank you so much for coming onto the program. Thank you so much for having us. It was great. It was, it was great amazing. to talk to you. Thank you. Well, you're very welcome. And ladies and gentlemen, again, go to TribecaFilm.com. Again, sign up and you'll be able to watch Daddy Issues and all the other films starting June 19th. So that's right around the corner. But from June 19th to July 2nd, you'll be able to partake with every film that's being shown at Tribeca. And this is something special, ladies and gentlemen, because Tribeca Film Festival is an Oscar qualifying event. So who knows? We may see one of the shortest short films be nominated or at least get to the short list for that golden statue. You one never knows, but I will say this. If I was the, on the voting panel, it would be. So in my book, it's Oscar qualified. So ladies and gentlemen, can, uh, I want to thank you for watching the Ward Bond show. And don't forget, you can watch the replay of our interview with Matt and Stephanie at Bond on Cinema on our YouTube channel. And as for me, I'll see you next time.